Now let's listen to Stuart and Keith discuss the options and their recommended approach to this difficult problem. Keith, why don't you remind us about what we're talking about here? So this is a no contest clause factual scenario. So you have a situation where all three kids were going to share equally in the estate, and that's kind of a natural disposition for most people. And then along comes one son, Richard, and he moves in uh, to mom's house because he's on hit hard times. And he kind of starts using mom's money and he starts doing things that he probably shouldn't be doing. And his sister, Lisa, brings it to his attention and he gets very defensive and he gets angry and he tries to shut Lisa out. And he goes so far as to actually create a trust amendment that gives Richard a majority of the estate. But for some reason, he actually is at least savvy enough to know that he needs to give Lisa and Robert a little something because the trust has a no contest clause. And of course, if you disinherit people and you give them nothing, it's very easy to contest. But by giving them something, hopefully they won't contest. So he gives each of them $50,000. He gets the rest of it, which is a substantial estate, a $3 million estate. He gets a bulk of it. And Lisa and Robert are none too happy about it. Okay. And I think I ultimately said we go ahead and we file a trust contest based upon undue influence. And what were your thoughts on that? Uh, I think that's right. I mean, I think the best claim here is undue influence. Um, I think the problem um, for for Robert and Lisa really is, do you want to risk $50,000? The idea is uh, even if I lose the case, I'm losing 50 grand. But the upside is, and I've got facts that are somewhat supporting me initially here in this case, um, chances are I've got my soaking wet dollar amount here is a million dollars that I could get. Yeah, so if you file the case and you win, you're going to get a million dollars. If you file the case and lose, but the court says, well, you had probable cause at least to file, you're still going to get your $50,000. If you file the case and lose and the court says you don't have probable cause, you're going to lose $50,000. Okay. Now, there's been, uh, we have a good lawyer friend up north that we have a little bantering uh, argument with, and that's whether the state of no contest clauses, are they alive? Are they dead? Uh, What are your thoughts on no contest clauses in a fact pattern like this? Well, in a fact pattern like this, no contest clause is most decidedly dead because you have enough facts here to establish probable cause. And in any event, if, you know, For most people, if I were to tell them, look, I can't guarantee that the court's going to find probable cause. I think there is, but I don't know what a court's going to rule. Do you want to risk 50,000 to try to get a million? And these are good facts where I think we have a good shot of getting that million. I think most people are going to say, yeah, let's let's take action. Let's sue. And for that reason, the no contest clause is dead. It's not doing anything to prevent litigation. And rightfully so, by the way, because why should... Richard be allowed to get away with this because of a no contest clause. I mean, it's, it's really, it's kind of a, a disservice to justice to allow Richard to get away with this. And so why shouldn't the no contest clause be dead in this area? No contest clauses didn't used to have this big probable cause hole in them. You know, a few years back, no contest clauses were a little stronger, but with the current legislation, the no contest clauses have been severely cut back the point where I think they're largely meaningless in most cases. Not all cases, but most cases, they're just dead. Well, let me change the facts up just a little bit. Let's say that Richard and Lisa uh, have a very uh, bad relationship with uh, mom, Nancy, during 
the last 20 years. And during that 20 years, they send, they leave voicemails for her telling her that she's scum and she's the worst mom ever and they hate her, they can't stand her. And we see this type of estate plan. Would you tell those particular beneficiaries that there's a chance that probable cause may not help them down the road? Well, yeah, I would tell them that because I think they have a right to at least know what the risks are. And I think I can't guarantee anything, so I have to tell them that that's always a risk. But of all the things you just said, none of it actually fits into the elements of undue influence, which is, was mom susceptible to undue influence, number one. And then the next three inquiries is, what did Richard do? What were Richard's actions here? And so I can't say whether Nancy would disinherit Lisa because she was a terrible daughter or not. People leave money to terrible kids. People disinherit good kids. I mean, there's perfectly good children that people disinherit for crazy reasons. So the fact that Lisa said terrible things to her mother, it doesn't fit into the elements of undue influence, which is, was Nancy susceptible to undue influence? And what, did, what were Richard's actions? What did he do to supplement or supplant Nancy's intent for his own. Unfortunately, I think you have to be a little careful with those other facts you're talking about because a judge later on down the line could use that as an excuse to say the no contest clause should apply when, in my opinion, it shouldn't because it's not relevant to whether Lisa had probable cause to take action against Richard's actions. One last question. Same fact scenario, the only change is Richard and Lisa are both getting $300,000 each. How would you advise them to move forward? Um, and that's a different scenario. So now let's say that um, Robert and Lisa are getting $300,000 each as specific gifts rather than 50. Are you willing to risk losing 300 grand to get a million? And so that's an individual question. You know, I mean, if Lisa, for example, has a lot of her own money and 300 grand, you know, while it's a significant amount, the principal's more valuable to her and she wants to try and win the million, then I think you would take that risk. On the other hand, if 300,000 would allow Lisa to retire and live the rest of her life and not have to work, then maybe you don't take that risk. Maybe you take the safe bet and get your 300 grand. And measuring that risk that you talk about, same facts, Richard Lisa, good people, same facts in your hypothetical that you wrote, it's not the despicable ones that I changed. Uh, and there's $300,000, how large is that risk in your mind of the no contest clause being enforced against them? Uh, not very large. I mean, I would say that you're talking about a risk that somewhere is between, you know, maybe if I had to put a number on a 10 to 15% chance that you're going to lose the 300 grand. Because one of two things is going to happen. Well, one of three things, actually. You're going to go forward and you're going to win the case. You get a million dollars. You're going to go forward, you're going to lose the case, but the judge is going to say, you have probable cause, you still get your 300 grand. Or the most likely scenario, you're going to go forward, you're going to litigate the case, you're going to do a settlement mediation before trial, and you're going to get some amount of money that's more than 300 grand, but less than a million.